Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday. We have got a lot to get to. We begin with... Confession for me. Now that college football is over, do you know what your boy just spent the last hour doing in the middle part of the day? Watching The Bachelor to catch up on The Bachelor. I'm going to be watching every Monday now. NFL's over for Monday Night Football. College football's over. Your boy's going all in with The Bachelor. So get dialed in. I was watching it with my wife and, uh, and our assistant, uh, who is uh, in the house here, Nanny, but now the kids are all in school. So basically, I've got an assistant who helps try to make sure that I at least have some semblance of a schedule. Uh, anyway, it's going to be pretty fantastic, I think. Pretty ge- pretty geeked up about it. I uh, want to tell you right off the top, you want to get some bets in on the divisional round playoff games, fanduel.com slash Clay. Listen to me closely. Listen to me closely, Virginia and Michigan. It is about to go legal in your state. Sports gambling is. I've heard in the next day or two they keep kind of uh, whispering about when things could officially launch. That means if you are in Virginia or Michigan and you are listening to me right now go ahead and sign up. The moment you start gambling you'll get up to a $1,000 free wager when you make a deposit. Go to fanduel.com slash Clay Michigan and Virginia every state. And by the way If you want to know the minute that your state goes live as they're all lining up to allow sports gambling you should go ahead and sign up right now. Get your free $1,000 wager as soon up to $1,000 wager. No risk at fanduel.com slash clay. It's simple. It takes like two minutes. fanduel.com slash clay. That's my name. Uh, All right. Alabama last night. Several different superlatives that I want to get to right off the top. There was a lot of question about whether there would be an asterisk on whoever won the championship this year because of COVID-related issues. Instead, I think Alabama deserves a gold star for dominance. I asked you guys who was better 2020 Alabama or 2019 LSU by 58% with tens of thousands of you voting. You said 2020 Alabama was better. And I think when you consider what Alabama did 11 SEC wins two more than anybody's ever won in the conference before easy wins over Notre Dame and over Ohio State there was never a point in time really if you were an Alabama fan and trust me I know because my 10 year old is a huge Alabama fan there was never a point in time when an Alabama fan this year ever felt remotely nervous about their team losing. 13-0 I think this is the best of Nick Saban's seven championship teams yes including the one at LSU Uh, I believe that Devontae Smith posted the best first half from a wide receiver I have ever seen in my life as a college football fan Steve Sarkeesian schemed it up I mean they got a mismatch to go up 35-17 to at the half on a linebacker that play effectively ended the game the only real time 
that Ohio State stopped Alabama in the first half was when they were lucky to get a fumble. This game was not remotely close. 52-24 was the final but Alabama could have scored 70 points against Ohio State if they had needed to. This was a bad matchup for the Big Ten and honestly the right team won. Not only because Alabama was clearly the best team in college football for the past year but because it was an apropos ending to a season when Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, fought harder than anybody to allow that season to happen and so he deserves the praise for the season actually taking place. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal what he did to fight for the season. The Big 12 and the ACC also stood up with him and as a result we got a college football season and it was an incredible success. Uh, No asterisks, if anything a star you can argue that Alabama is one of the greatest if not the greatest college football team of all time. Uh, Even with Najee Harris going out with a couple of hits even with Devontae Smith going out the Alabama offense continued to absolutely dominate and congrats to the Crimson Tide on the title. Congrats to Nick Saban on the seventh title to pass Bear Bryant. I believe that now legitimately Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. And when you say all time sometimes that's a little bit unfair because we don't know every single thing that happened in college football beforehand but we've never had someone win six titles in 12 years like this in as competitive of a sport as college football. And so as a result I think Nick Saban is certainly the best college football coach of my lifetime. Bill Belichick is certainly the best NFL coach although Brady's success at Tampa Bay could change a little bit of the expectation as to how good Belichick is depending on whether or not he's able to ever win another title with anyone else. But in the meantime Devontae Smith Mac Jones uh, Najee Harris even Jalen Waddell who look I said this this is probably the only criticism I would have of Alabama from the game last night. Uh, My 10 year old said Dad do you think Jalen Waddell will play? And I said if he were my son the answer is no. And he said why would you say that dad? And I said because Jalen Waddell has got his entire rest of his life to be able to play football. If he has people looking out for him they should have told him based on the way he was running around on the field in my opinion buddy you're not yet ready to go back out and play on the field. Now I hope he didn't have any more severe injuries. I hope he's fine when he wakes up today. But I'm at the age now where I start to look at athletics through the prism of a dad, right? I've been a little league coach. I've got a 12-year-old. I've got a 10-year-old. I've got a 6-year-old. All all little boys. And your job as a parent is to help protect your kids sometimes even if they won't listen to you. And maybe that's when it matters the most. Now he's over 18. Maybe his parents sat down and said we think this is a bad idea and he decided to do it anyway. Uh, But that was my response. That's the only negative I would say about the college football game is I wouldn't have wanted that to be my son limping around out there on the field not able to play at 100% when he's got the combine coming up in February when he's got the draft coming up in April and I would like for him to be fully healthy by May when it comes time to go back in. He's made a remarkable recovery. Credit to him for the work that he's done to come back from the broken ankle. Uh, He could run fast in the warm-ups but I don't know necessarily that that was a decision I would have made. It's the only criticism that I think you could have at all of anything that you saw from the Crimson Tide 
on Saturday, uh, sorry, on Monday night. Uh, one thing that I do think is worth discussing as the COVID era has existed the favorites have been more likely to win. And I'm kind of fascinated by that. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the Lakers, the Dodgers and now the Alabama Crimson Tide. I wonder how much of that has to do with the favorited teams also having the best discipline the best leadership so that they could keep themselves from getting in trouble whether you love or hate the Lakers LeBron James rules the Laker roost whether you love or hate Alabama Nick Saban rules the Alabama family with an iron fist and I wonder whether having strong leadership and dominant personalities as leaders is more likely to lead to success in a COVID era when discipline matters more than ever before I think that's one of the lessons we are getting so far as we roll through uh, this crazy 2020 COVID year. Now, I want to say thank you. I tweeted this out to all the college football players, to all of the uh, coaches, to the fans, to the parents, to the administrators, to the commissioners. There's been a lot of talk and I want to read from this because I think it's well said. One of, uh, one of my friends in the media Uh, had this to say uh, which I thought was good Um, and I'm going to write about this too. Was the college football season worth it? Uh, Worth it to who? Because that's the really good way of putting it. Uh, To the players? Certainly it was uh, worth it to the players because they chose to play. To coaches? Certainly. Coaches uh, chose to coach. To the tens of thousands of athletes in non-revenue sports whose programs would have been canceled without football revenue? Certainly, yes. There is no doubt that they were in favor of the football season being played. And oh, by the way, the football season being played allowed their sports to be played in fall sports too. And then this is interesting. A lot of people came out and said, oh, it's worth it to the networks out there. Uh, But I'm going to get to that in a sec. To the fans, I mean... How many tens of millions, maybe even a hundred million people watched college football at some point this year? I would imagine there's probably over a million people at least who went and watched college football in person. Sure, there were people who didn't want the season to be played but for the fans who are actual big college football fans they certainly were worth it. To the networks, a lot of people out there say oh, television, cable, everybody else they needed money. Uh, But If television networks had not been able to put the college football games on they could have canceled the season gotten a rebate or a one-year extension on their deals it's not like they would have stood to lose that much money in the grand scheme of things. So that begs the question that remains with all the Sports Illustrated New York Times and uh, USA Today featuring opinion pieces basically saying the college football season wasn't worth it Who was it actually not worth it to? And it's pretty much just the media members who didn't want the season to start from the moment the season began. And that in itself is I think a testament to how much the college football season was worth. So props to everybody out there who made this season possible. Commissioners, players, fans, parents, uh, league officials, everybody out there that worked to make this possible. And I want to circle back around to what I think was the most irresponsible single piece of journalism having to do with college football that was published anywhere in the country. And it happened at cbssports.com They should apologize to their entire audience 
because they ran a piece based on University of Illinois computer science professor Sheldon Sheldon Jacobson said I guarantee this is a direct quote I guarantee someone is going to die if they were to play a college football season. He guaranteed a player would die if they opened and played a college football season and he also said the FBS level of college football would see three to seven deaths. A few of them could end up in a hospital and you'll have a small number who could die. I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. I just want to give you the facts. If everybody comes together under normal circumstances we'll probably see that kind of outcome. It didn't happen. He said he only wanted to share the facts with you and he guaranteed a player would die. First of all, a Joe Namath-like guarantee that a player will die if the college football season happens is an insane, insane, superbly dumb thing to say but I don't even blame this idiot computer science professor at the University of Illinois I blame CBS Sports for running this article on June 30th of this uh, past summer because the evidence was readily apparent that this was not true. In fact, no college players who were playing in FBS this season died. I'm not even sure if there was a single serious hospitalization. No coaches either as the data was all telling us would happen. I've been telling you for months that there was far more danger from the flu the seasonal flu to your average high school or college kid than there was from COVID in terms of death. And we never ever have canceled a season because of the flu. Thankfully college football leadership got to the right decision but the truth of the matter is this the college football media should be ashamed of itself. Same thing with the Corona Bros in the professional sports media who tried to spread fear porn and convince everybody it was impossible to play a safe season they were wrong. They were 1 billion percent wrong. The facts are now clear. CBS Sports should apologize for the fear porn that they shared. They should feel awful for running an article like that without support. And people say why do you care? Because articles like those terrified people in college athletics. They were terrified that if a player died they would be blamed for it and that's why the chancellors in the Big Ten and the presidents acted. That's why the Pac-12 acted the way they did. These articles had a tangible impact in a very real way in their decision making. They weren't rooted in fact. They were rooted in fear porn. They had irresponsible language that shouldn't have passed the editor booth at cbssports.com Frankly, CBS Sports should be ashamed of that article that they ran. They should be ashamed of the quotes that they put up and again I guarantee someone is going to die. I guarantee someone is going to die. It didn't happen. And then he had the temerity to say I don't want to sugarcoat it. I just want to give you the facts. That was not the facts and your guarantee was wrong and CBS Sports should be ashamed for what they ran there. All right. Uh, Several different stories to get to. Kevin Steele former Auburn defensive coordinator who was supposedly going to take over for Gus Malzahn he is headed to Tennessee. 
as an assistant role it remains to be seen exactly what is going to happen there. Here's my theory. My theory is things are potentially not looking good for Jeremy Pruitt. Tennessee is bringing in Kevin Steele who is a former Tennessee football player I believe a University of Tennessee graduate. He can be the interim coach that potentially takes over as the head coach in the event that it's necessary to find someone. Otherwise, he potentially could end up taking over as the defensive coordinator if Derek Ansley decided to move somewhere else if something happened to Jeremy Pruitt. This is Tennessee in what I expect to be a tumultuous week on Rocky Top trying to protect itself so that they have the coaching staff in place. Now, I've made it clear from the get-go if I were in charge of Tennessee Athletics I would hire Hugh Freeze if you have to fire Jeremy Pruitt. I would. I don't think it's a difficult call at all. Hugh Freeze has won 10 games at Lambeth, Arkansas State, Ole Miss, and now Liberty. He would win 10 games at the University of Tennessee. I feel very confident about it. If you could pair Hugh Freeze as the head coach with uh, the defensive coordinator of Kevin Steele that's a pretty doggone good combo of guys that really want to be in Knoxville at the University of Tennessee. If Hugh Freeze isn't gettable then my guy would be Jeremy Chadwell. I'd go look at him at Coastal Carolina. He's from East Tennessee. He grew up a huge University of Tennessee football fan. He's had a lot of success at Coastal. If you paired him with Kevin Steele I think that would be an interesting combo. He's been great with mobile quarterbacks just like Hugh Freeze has and Tennessee has got a mobile quarterback coming in Caden Salter and one who just transferred from Virginia Tech. Uh, I think both of those guys you could have success with. Other news out there in the coaching universe the Alabama the University of Alabama Nick Saban School for Rehabilitating Coaches Images uh, is going to take in a new member Bill O'Brien formerly of Penn State and the Houston Texans the head coach at both of those places is going to be the new offensive coordinator with Steve Sarkeesian leaving for uh, Texas. I've made this analogy before Uh, I just came back from Universal Studios Uh, Think about this for a moment. Coordinators under Nick Saban at Alabama are like defense against the dark arts uh, teachers at Hogwarts. For those of you who are Harry Potter fans you will know exactly what I am talking about there. Basically you got to replace one every single year because they end up going elsewhere. Uh, Andre Johnson has ripped the Houston Texans in a big way as they continue the process of working towards hiring their next head coach. Supposedly Deshaun Watson is not being consulted enough and I think that's a little bit of an intriguing uh, idea that you would ask your, your quarterback what he thinks about the GM and the head coach but Andre Johnson ripping the Texans for wasting careers Is that really a fair perspective? I don't really think so. I mean the Texans have won a bunch of different division titles in the last several years. They haven't had a great deal of success in the postseason but it's not like they're the Detroit Lions God forbid who haven't won a a playoff game in over 25 years. I don't think the Texans are a particularly unsuccessful franchise. I think they've made questionable decisions with DeAndre Hopkins the trade for Laramie Tunsil Uh, There are a lot of things that the Texans did with Bill O'Brien at the quarterback position the money that they spent on guys that were not able to perform at a high level certainly finding the right guy until they got to Deshaun Watson had become a big issue Uh, but I wouldn't characterize the Houston Texans as a historically unsuccessful franchise. I think that's a bit of an unfair characterization uh, and wasting careers as Andre Johnson said 
doesn't feel like it's an accurate reflection of what actually goes on. Kyrie Irving. The NBA has changed its COVID protocols. By the way, have you noticed that nobody who is now in the media is arguing that you have to cancel seasons anymore? Remember when they had to stop games for Major League Baseball? Everybody said, oh my God, you're going to have to stop the season. Same thing happened in the NFL. Same thing happened in college football. What you have to do is not listen to the media and power through. So the NBA is adjusting their uh, rules and procedures on the fly. But I will say this, Kyrie Irving is not making it easy on the Brooklyn Nets. He said he wasn't willing to play basically uh, because of, I, I don't even know what his rationale was. His mind wasn't in the right place basically. And now there are alleged videos of him partying potentially with Drake in Canada with family members uh, while he is supposed to be playing basketball and he may be facing significant, uh, significant consequences over that. It is a big mess for the NBA and I think a big mess for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant chose to sign up with Kyrie Irving instead of staying with Seth Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Those guys, whether you love or hate them, are committed to basketball. Why in the world did Kevin Durant think that it was going to make sense going forward for him to stay with uh, the uh, for Kevin Durant to join up with Kyrie Irving? Doesn't make sense to me at all. Kyrie Irving is not a good teammate. There's ample evidence to reflect the fact that he's not a good de- teammate. And worst of all, he doesn't seem committed to the idea of playing basketball in any way. Uh, that's his right. He's entitled to not want to play basketball but you're under contract to play basketball. And if everybody else on the team is following the COVID protocols and trying to find ways to play Kyrie Irving's behavior makes me think that the Brooklyn Nets have major issues going forward. Finally, I saw a story uh, that Dan Levitard is starting a new business venture with John Skipper and I'm reading from uh, the article let me go ahead and pull it up if I still have it pulled up Uh, Here is the opening paragraph. This is from Front Office Sports. Former ESPN president John Skipper and personality Dan Lebitard are partnering on a politically progressive sports media company. The new venture is described as the strategic opposite of Clay Travis's outkick sources told Front Office Sports uh, and they're intending to focus on Jamel Hill, Bamani Jones and Kate Fagan uh, people at ESPN who have failed when they have been given their own platforms on the television network. Look, I'm a capitalist. I'm in favor of anyone that wants to start their own company sports media or otherwise. OutKick is rolling. I mean, we are poised for an incredible 2021. January is going to be the best month we've ever had and I take it as a badge of honor that OutKick is now being used as a template of a sports media company even if they're going to go in the different directive. To, to me, OutKick is straight down the middle, right? We cover sports and we cover it in an honest way and we give you our opinion on a wide variety of subjects. We seem like we are right wing because the rest of sports media is so far left wing that there is a perpetual knife fight for the woke audience. So, if Dan Lebitard and his merry band of cronies want to step in and start having a knife fight if he thinks there's a huge marketplace for a further left-wing version of ESPN for the far left-wingers that ESPN couldn't make money off in terms of having big broad audiences for them more power to him. If anything it's only going to make OutKick stronger because 
it's going to make us look more reasonable the further left wing the rest of the sports media community goes. I appreciate all of you. Good luck to Levitar, John Skipper. I welcome them into the sports media arena with open arms. We're going to continue to dominate at OutKick. We're not changing anything. If you love what we're doing, go sign up for the VIP today. I appreciate all of your support. Heck, I even appreciate all the hate. It helps make my day. All right, I got to go catch up with the rest of The Bachelor and I'm going to be on television here in a few minutes breaking down everything in the world of sports gambling as we roll into the divisional round of the playoffs. Congratulations to Alabama. Devontae Smith, how about that Heisman mask that he was wearing? That was next level impressive. Congratulations to Mac Jones who I think solidified himself as a first round draft pick. Uh, and also, congratulations to Nick Saban who is now, in my opinion, the greatest college football coach of all time with his seven championships. It's amazing to see what he's been able to accomplish. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, get your bets in, Michigan and Virginia. FanDuel.com slash Clay. Things are about to go live there. FanDuel.com slash Clay. You have been watching Outkick the Show. I'll be on TV in a moment. This is Outkick.